very good evening to you all. You're welcome to today's episode of our Sunday School Podcast session. So today we bring into a conclusion the topic which we started in our last episode. The sickness is not unto death. It's the famous story of Lazarus and his friend Jesus Christ. Now we took the reading from John chapter 11 and our focus was on the verse 4 of that chapter. Jesus having received the news that his friend Lazarus was very sick responded in rather a strange manner saying this sickness is not unto death. So the statement, this sickness is not unto death, was, was Jesus' uh, metaphorical statement concerning uh, Lazarus' rapidly deteriorating health. Uh, and uh, I believe the friend Lazarus must have held on very tightly to life in anticipation of his friend Jesus Christ. He must have said to himself, why hurry to death? Why hurry to the grave? Let me hold on to life a little longer for the sake of my friend Jesus. For it will be easier for him to restore me to, to restore my health than he would even dare to attempt to bring me back to life should I be dead. For humanly speaking, death is the final thing and there, is, there can be only hope for as long as there is life. So the friend Lazarus held on longer. He, he, he fought that great battle with that sickness. But finally, he gave up the ghost. The friend Lazarus died and Jesus would further make yet another uh, figurative expression saying our friend Lazarus is asleep uh, he, he said that in the midst of his disciples and they being fallen men like yourself and myself did not understand the meaning of such a statement our friend Lazarus is asleep but I go to wake him up. The statement would further throw them into a deeper state of confusion. So the master Jesus says plainly in human statements, our friend Lazarus is dead. And here we have, ladies and gentlemen, the very epitome of our spiritual struggles especially when it comes to believing the word of our Lord, Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because our skeptical mind will begin to ask questions. Oh, so Lazarus really is dead. Uh, then why say he's asleep? What are you trying to hide? But then I thought the sickness was not unto death and yet Lazarus is dead. How? Authentic should we even consider your statement yourself, seeing that your friend is dead, even after you said the sickness would not be unto death. 
And then you said you go to wake him up. But of what use is such a resurrection, seeing that the man or the thing would later end up in death sometime in the future? What if Lazarus no longer dies of this sickness today because you go to wake him up? What are the chances that he would not die of that sickness tomorrow when you are not around to wake him up? Of what use is this resurrection if it does not bring about deathlessness and agelessness? Of what use is, the, uh, is this resurrection if Lazarus would end up dying in the future? Why not let the sleeping dog lie? Why not allow the dead remain dead? Why not spare the family the sorrow of tomorrow by already allow them, allowing them sorrow in peace today? Of what use is this resurrection? Of what use is you yourself who claims to be resurrection and life? And Sami. These are the set of questions that our minds will begin to raise given the circumstance and we would immediately demand answers from God. But then the, the, the answer lies in the clear understanding of God's definition of life and God's definition of death. I believe the reason we do not experience God's manifestation is because our perception of godly things of ma or, or, or our perception of godly matters is very different from God's perception of saying of those same matters. So how does God define life and death? That is what we should ask and that is where we should look. Because when God's perception of life and death becomes our own perception of life and death, then we shall begin to understand how God thus manifests. So how does God define life? To begin with, life for God goes beyond the biological production or creation of a human being. And death for God goes beyond the, the biological or physical termination of the human being or life that was created. We take an example from the Garden of Eden. God says, For in the day that you eat of that fruit, you shall die. But then we saw that they ate of that fruit, and they did not die, at least not physically. But there was death. They died somehow. They died in some way. They died spiritually. They died eternally. So it is eternal life that God considers as life and it is eternal death that God considers death. As Christians, eternal life is that life that we must strive deliberately and rigorously to have and to live. And eternal death is that which we must make sure that we do not die. Eternal life is so big a life that it cannot be contained in a body. It is required to outlive that body into the very presence of its maker. It is required to outlive the body from whence it originates. 
into the very presence of its maker just as a baby is required to come out of the womb from, from which it was formed and created and come out face to face to the very presence of the mother and the father that begirts it, so also is the likeness of life eternal. It is not just the life of a physical body, it is also the life of the spirit. It is the life of the spirit of God and it must outlive that body into the very presence and into the very nature of God. And so when we have this sort of understanding about God, it becomes no more difficult to understand the way and what God demands from us as Christians. It is not so difficult to begin to understand how God does manifest even amongst us. So in the light of that understanding and in the light of that explanation, we must also consider what was it about this sickness and what was it about this death that God considered tragic enough such that resurrection was now required for Lazarus. Why was resurrection required for Lazarus and not for Elisha? You see, there is a reading in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 13, and the verse 14 of it. It speaks there about the prophet Elisha. You see, Elisha was God's prophet. Elisha had double portion of Elijah's power, meaning that Elisha was the most powerful prophet of his time. And yet, we read something very stunning from 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. It says, Now the prophet Elisha was sick, the sickness of which he died. How is it that one so powerful dies of a sickness and God did not consider it tragic enough or God did not deem it fit to raise him back to life. And yet, we are reading of Lazarus. He died. He died and it was painful enough. Not, not alone did the Lord go to his grave to weep. The Lord brought him back to life. And we must also look at this in order to be able to successfully bring this teaching to, a, to, 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 to completeness. So brethren, the, the, the issue here is not just the issue of resurrection. It's not just a question of why was one person resurrected and not the other. The issue here is once again the, the, the issue of sin, whose agent is sickness, and sickness uh, that finally delivers a man into the hands of death. Jesus says, a thief comes not only to steal, but to kill, and to destroy. In that statement, he was referring to the demonic agents of sin, sickness, and death, because that is what they do to a man. They steal, they kill, and they destroy a man totally, completely. The sickness is not unto death, is such a glorious statement, is such a statement to which man must hope, the Christian must be happy about because the, the statement reflects what God is willing to do for such a, 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 a Christian in, in such a hopeless circumstance. Because you would think that the sickness 
has only come to steal the body. You would think that the sickness came only to take the man's body away. But little did you know that the sickness may have also killed the man's spirit and destroyed totally the man's eternal life so that redemption was no longer possible for such a man. Salvation and forgiveness was no longer possible for such a man because now the man is dead. Why do I say this? Remember the thief on the right hand side of Jesus' cross. He needed to be alive in order to have that encounter with Jesus Christ. And it was that encounter through which he obtained eternal life. It was through that encounter that he obtained confirmation of his salvation. Had he been dead before he got to the cross, that would no longer have been possible. What he received, the promise of paradise that he received on that cross, would no longer have been possible. It was with his last breath that he said, Lord, remember me when you get to your kingdom. And then he obtained the very glorious response that today you shall be with me in paradise so it would not have been possible if he was dead if death through sickness had taken him away so the, the the sickness did not just come to take away the body the sickness may also have been responsible for killing the man eternally and so for god the death of a man who already has eternal life is not tragedy. The man who has enjoyed salvation, redemption, and a man who has lived out the extent of God's expectation for him, for such a man to die cannot be considered tragic because he has already obtained from God eternal life. Therefore, even in death, he continues to live in the presence of God, his maker. Jesus describes it as Abraham's bosom. There's a reading in Psalm 116 and when you look at verse 15 it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the, the, the life and death of Paul was rather gain for God because he has lived a life of purpose to God. And so it was for Peter, so it was for the other apostles. The, the, their life was for Christ. They lived a, purpose, a purposeful life for God and their death was not tragedy. It was rather gain for the kingdom of God. So was David and so was the prophet Elisha himself. The life was a life that was given unto God and the death itself was not tragedy unto God but rather it was gain for the kingdom of God but, <clears throat> and but we, we, we come to look at Lazarus why would death take him away at just the prime of his life he has not even begun to enjoy fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit he is he has not met the comforter the, the teacher and the guardian just yet. Death would have deprived him the privilege of full and complete service to his master, his friend, and his teacher, Savior, Jesus Christ. But the, the, the glorious presence of Jesus would not allow that death should take him away so quickly. It was because of Jesus that 
Lazarus did not suffer the death penalty of sin and sickness because the master has commanded that the sickness should not be unto death. And like I said in the last episode, that this statement is not, does not only apply to Lazarus, but applies to every practicing Christian, that Jesus stands to make sure that in our race to eternal life, death does not stop us. Neither will death nor sickness stop us until we have obtained that life. So that uh, to, to, to live for us would be for Christ and to die will be gain unto God's kingdom. So we, we look at the situation in the present world today. You see a lot of Christians worrying about unnecessary things. They, their minds are so taken away by the fact that uh, there is um, bad roads, bad governance, and all sorts of things that they discuss on the news. Meanwhile, he is plagued with seductiveness, he is plagued with adultery, he is plagued with fornication, pornography, uh, drugs, and some are even thieves. He is plagued with the many things that would not allow him obtain that eternal life, and yet he is worried about bad governance. Why, why worry about something that makes no sense in the midst of the many other things that could steal your very soul away and, may, and see to it that you do not obtain the eternal life that God has provided for you? It is to the effect of eternal life that Jesus says that, What shall he profit a man should he gain the old world and lose his soul? What if you, you became the, the, the world had good governance? What if you became so rich that you could obtain everything in life that you wanted, but yet you do not know God, yet you have not been able to overcome the many plagues of sin? Of what benefit is that to God? So we, we as Christians must be able to direct our initiatives to the things that matters to God and to God alone, for it is only in that that we would find fulfillment in the life that we have here on earth. So that's as far as the lesson will go today. We sincerely appreciate your audience. Uh, we will open to receive your questions and contributions. Thank you for listening.